It's time to heed the call of the wild and seek the higher calling. Higher Calling is the voice of mountain and forest wildlife and is hosted by award-winning wildlife journalist and conservationist Chester Moore. Be ready for an increase in altitude and a relentless pursuit of the creatures that dwell there. Welcome to The Higher Calling. This is Chester Moore, and I'm very, very excited because as the world seems to be crumbling around us and there's COVID-19 in the news and all this crazy stuff happening in the world, uh, I want to do something positive and, and something certainly positive for wildlife because that's what we deal with here at Higher Calling. And um, we have deemed summer 2020 the summer of the bear. And uh, there's probably no more of an iconic and uh, mo more appreciated animal that dwells the forests and mountains of the world than bears. And there are many varieties of bears around the world. And I'm very, very excited about our guest today. We have the executive director of Bear Trust International, Logan Young. Welcome to Higher Calling. Hey, thank you. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, it's great. Anytime we can uh, talk bears, I'm always excited. Um, the American black bear is one of my favorite animals in the entire world. It's funny, people, what's your favorite bear? They're expecting me to say, you know, a grizzly or a polar bear. And I'm like, the American black bear. It's an incredibly successful animal, the most abundant bear on the planet. Um, comes in all kind of cool color phases, and it's just very adaptable. But bears are something that captivate the world's attention, right? Correct, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> And Bear Trust International, uh, can you just give us kind of the rundown of basically what you are, where you're located, and uh, just of what you do? Yeah, so we're a nonprofit. We're a 501c3. Um, you know, we're the leading bear conservation organization uh, worldwide. So we work to protect all eight species of bears worldwide um, with a real strong focus, though, on North America and uh, things within, within the United States and Canada. And so we also have a, a really strong kind of platform for education, lesson plans and stuff with our kids. And so we reach, um, last year we reached over 7,000 kids uh, worldwide, uh, mostly in Canada and the United States again, uh, teaching them about, you know, North American conservation model, bears, different species of bears, uh, hunting heritage. And, uh, you know, it's really fun. So it allows us to kind of give back and, help these kids throughout from a young age all through high school learn about bears learn about conservation and really try to be you know a, a resounding voice and a, an inspired voice for these kids to get in the outdoors and and there's nothing in our mind that's better than that and and being a, an organization to support bears and bear conservation and uh you know there's really no kind of charismatic megafauna that's that's any closer to the battlegrounds than uh, all the bear issues and, and we're proud to to be in that fight and and to be kind of on the front line yeah you know the thing about bears you mentioned like the megafauna i mean um you know there's there's nothing more the bull of the woods so to speak than a grizzly you know <laughs> or uh, you know and you think about yep. some of the things going on with grizzlies right now and uh just all kind of bear issues as human populations of course expand there's going to be more conflicts with bears more different uh, people as demographics change, uh, ideas on how to manage those bears change dramatically as well. I grew up in a hunting family and learning the North American model of conservation. Now, I had no idea until I was a teenager what the heck the North American model of conservation was. 
but it's what I learned. Right. You know, it's that I learned that I that I hunt. I grew up hunting. We buy hunting licenses. We supported conservation groups and money from hunting licenses, excise taxes on sporting goods and those things go into helping manage our and research and protecting from poaching and bag limits and protecting habitat and all these great things. But of course, there's a lot of people who maybe don't agree with that because it has hunting involved in it. And also people who just don't know, maybe they just want to help bears out. And kind of what I'm hearing from you is if you want to help bears and you really want to get involved in bears, maybe Bear Trust International is a group to get involved in. Yeah, absolutely it is. Um, you know, I mean, we're, we're the leading bear organization uh, North America and worldwide. And, you know, what I would say is, is it's a, a difficult topic because everyone loves bears. Yep. And the real conversation and, and not the argument, but the conversation that really needs to be had. And, and that's why we're so open, you know, to having these conversations with, with people that completely disagree with us as well. Sure. Um, as well as, you know, groups, of course, that are on our side. But it's people have a, a true passionate love for bears and and the real discussion needs to be had is is what's the best for them and yep. you know bear trust takes a completely science data-based biological view mm-hmm. of what's the best for the population numbers and the habitat for bears and you know to us i mean if you look at the numbers for conservation for hunting you know for the hunters and fishers and anglers i mean no one has had conservation success stories like that group and so we believe that you know hunting is a viable tool sure. to conservation you know when the data shows that we should hunt and you know in many of these cases it does it shows that you know there is a population uh where we should be harvesting mm-hmm. x amount of, of say grizzly bears or black bears and uh you know all i can say is is we're open to that conversation and you know, I mean, the more support we can get behind us, the, the, the broader light we can shine on this issue and uh, and really open it up to, to the world and hopefully do do some good by the bear. Well, I just have I have a radio show as well. I do on News Talk 560 KLV. I've been doing it for 21 years. I tell, I tell people I've been doing it since I was three. We've been doing it since I was 26. And um, we've yeah. been doing this show a long time. And I, and I talked about the return of uh, black bears in East Texas and how there's been just a rash of reports in northeast texas and i said well maybe even one day if these keep returning and we can keep poaching at bay and those kind of things maybe there would even be a season and i had a lady email me and i love what you said up until that moment and um mm-hmm. and i said you know here's the thing um I, I explained the model of conservation that i support and believe in and i said here's the thing i hunt i love the turkey hunt i love the hog hunt deer hunt duck hunt all that stuff i have no desire to shoot a bear just not never has been like something that I'm, I'm interested in. It's never has been a species. I, I'd rather go photograph them because I'm a wildlife photographer, you know? And I said, but if, yeah. it, if it means that that resource can be used that way, then we have brought them back to a great level. It also gets a user base interested in wanting to have a, a vested interest that those animals are there and also can serve as a means of as populations rise, maybe keeping populations uh, more in control and having less conflict with people. So I, I love the idea of the open your openness to this kind of thing because I have a zoological facility called Kingdom Zoo Wildlife Center. Me and my wife work with kids who have terminal illness and or loss of parent or sibling or in the foster system. We give them animal encounters, right? And so I have people that yeah. look, look at me and they come into my office here and there's like a mountain lion mounted here <laughs> and like a bear attacks <laughs> that are donated to us and, you know, sheep skulls and they're like, 
I thought you liked animals. I'm like, oh, I do. And, you know, so there's always that. So it's great to have that dialogue. But, you know, bears are something that of all of the, the megafauna and stuff like that, it's probably the one that causes the most stir when they do come into that suburban area, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why it's such a, a social topic, you know, yeah. because, you know, people have such a connection with bears. And, you know, we do too, but we just view it in a different way where we, we believe that if the data shows that there should sure. be a, a reasonable harvest, that that should happen. Yep. And we really believe in the North American conservation model, I mean, to the core. And, you know, we have connections with the First Nations. We have connections with wildlife biologists, the fish and wildlife all across, you know, North America, um, you know, other nonprofit organizations. You know, we have our own conservation director and editor. And, you know, we do a lot of research and, and that's just what the data shows. And so that's what we believe. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm the same way, any kind of wildlife where it shows. But also, like you said, where the data shows. Because there are things internationally, not with bears, but other animals. And I look at some of the data that I've researched, and I see some things harvested in certain areas, and I'm going, I don't think that really shows that. I think that shows maybe that there's somebody wants to go hunt it. And sometimes there may be. So I like the idea of the data being the thing, you know, not, not having the emotional connection to it and the, the data, the scientific thing backs it up. And that's a beautiful thing because bears are such marvelous animals, you know. And uh, But b being someone in this major bear conservation organization, what would you say is probably the number one misconception about bears or bear management that you encounter? Um, I would say the, the population numbers. Okay. You know, they do these bear studies, these bear counts. Um, so to give you an example, you know, I grew up in northern British Columbia, uh, straight west of Pink Mountain. You know, I grew up in the mountains on the Graham River and the Otter Tail. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they do these, these counts in British Columbia, and it just baffles me how, how people can think that they can have a, an accurate count on the bears. And from being somebody that spends, you know, 100 days in the mountains every year, I can attest that there are so many more live, mature, you know, boar grizzlies and sow and cub grizzlies and and great fertility numbers. I mean, I, I can attest to that because I, I live in the mountains. I yeah, mean, you, I'm a guide outfitter. Yeah, I've you're, been my whole life. You're on the ground um, there. You're, I, you're looking at it. You're talking yeah, to people on, out there. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, there is such a high number of grizzly bears in British Columbia, and it's really sad to see, you know, hunting get shut down there because a lot of people, you know, relied on that sustainability of, of, of meat for harvest. And, and a lot of people, that was their sole income, mm -hmm. uh, you know, with outfitters. And, I mean, I think what people need to understand is, you know, we're, we're – people don't like the word trophy hunter. But, you know, what it really is is we're a selective harvesting yep. hunter. Yep. And so, you know, these outfitters, they're selling these hunts and feeding their families and using these funds to send their kids to school. And, you know, they're not going out and trying to kill the – a tiny young little bear. I mean, these people are hunting and they're all avid, avid hunters to hunt an old mature boar grizzly that is killing cubs and sometimes is able even able to reproduce any longer. And, you know, I mean, this is the, this is the, the animal that we have that we're trying to harvest and that money, I mean, it's, it's good for the economy and it's really good. It fits right into the conservation model to actually increase the populations of grizzly bears, um, you know, in this example in, in British Columbia. And, you know, I would say 
get in touch if, if I would say get in touch with, with us and, and we can have a conversation on on numbers and we can show you the mm-hmm. data if you're interested in it and and really you know it's sad that in British Columbia you know like Vancouver will vote for the entire province when the people that really know that really live out there that are in the mountains that see these bears that, mm-hmm. that see the interaction and have the interaction every day are or in the summertime are the are their voices are not being heard and that's a really 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 sad thing and they're the ones who are going to be encountering the bears more and as populations rise will have more conflict first um and with their livestock Absolutely. and everything as well so you mentioned like the the urban areas having this uh this major voting block of course and they're not necessarily the ones who are encountering and doing these things and uh and I think I think that's a fascinating concept with wildlife in North America because as urbanization continues and the connection to the land to wildlife decreases, you're definitely seeing more of a shift in how people look at things. Like people know, for example, and where you're talking about, hey, there's lots of bears around here. We see them. We see their tracks. We see the kills on livestock. All that stuff's around here. To look at. Because, you know, wildlife isn't counted the same way in every state, every province. Um, I do a lot with wild turkeys, and some states don't do any kind of account at all. They just judge by harvest. And, uh, and right. you know, and there are different ways of doing these things, and they're not always the most accurate, I think, sometimes engaging what's going on. And something like a bear that can be very elusive, and there's lots of thickets and mountains and canyons, has to be extremely hard to get a hard count on just from flying a helicopter or you know or looking at tracks on a road right i mean you know you go back to talk about british columbia i mean you know it, it's huge for logging because just like that there's so much timber you yeah know, so much valleys covered in timber and aspen trees i mean how do you possibly get a count you know i mean it, it's ridiculous to think that you can you can specifically count the number of grizzly bears and black bears um, in a certain region. And those numbers are grossly under undervalued. I mean, there's, I would, if I had to say, I would say there is four times as many grizzly bears in British Columbia as, as they, you know, they document. But, so is there, is there again, a counter sign? I'm not a wildlife biologist, but yeah. I have, I have good connections with so many of these biologists and I would say that they would agree. And, you know, you're getting more bears that become conflict bears that are in towns. They're eating people's cattle um, just because there's no there's no harvest of some of these old boars. And uh, I think it's a real issue, and it's it's hurt the economy bad. And you know, it's 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 the sustainable harvest is is needed. Well, something that concerns me in the, in the greater picture of North America is kind of what happened, what I call the Cecil the Lion effect, where the, the dentist has shot Cecil the lion, allegedly the lion that everybody likes, allegedly in the park in Africa, and it causes international uproar with the animal rights groups. Well, I've seen just a dramatic amount of persecution change after that with people showing animals, especially animals that are carnivores, stuff like that. And you look at the bear, and I'm looking at what could go with states that have like initiative and referendum where they can have um, – you know, X amount of signatures and then get it on a ballot where it's, uh, you know, scientific issues, as you know, don't do well on a ballot. It's kind of, you know, doesn't work real well. And I worry about some of these states and provinces and things like that with like black bear numbers, because I'm looking at black bear uh, reports, attacks, all this stuff, um, interaction with people in a lot of states like New Jersey, 
Um, all over, Western Texas is having a dramatic increase. All these areas, and I'm thinking if it gets to the point in some of these areas where they eliminate hunting or make it so hard for hunters to do it, that what's going to happen, A, to the bears? Because eventually, once bears start eating folks um, and they have more of that happening, there'll be a backlash. I mean, there's there's all that. And that's why we need to go back like the science thing, you know, and uh, and people's ideas. Right. I think we've Disneyized nature so much. And so I do, I do a lot of talking about black bears because since the late 90s i've been sounding the alarm they're coming back to east texas let's protect them from poaching let's i've been we, we created posters through texas fishing game which i'm the editor of and we've been giving out thousands of them via pdf and they're like you know the fine schedule for killing a bear but it also has information that a black bear attack is greatly different than a grizzly attack and i just had an article in sports right. field about this and letting people know because i've had people to matter of fact i was in yellowstone last september at the Mountain Ungulates Conference in Bozeman there with the Wild Sheep Foundation and I skipped the day to go mm-hmm. to Yellowstone and we're watching a grizzly about a half mile away, a sow and cubs, and this lady goes, you know, if I, this was in the Smokies I, and that was a black bear, I would try to get close as I possibly could. And I'm like, ma'am, can I talk to you a second? <laughs> I said, I said, yeah. I said, you know, I said, you're less likely to be attacked by a black bear. There's no question about that. I said, but the difference is, that almost every black bear attack is predatory and they want to kill and eat you. Or almost a lot of black bear, grizzly attacks, they didn't like the smell of your cologne that morning or something. You know, they just don't want you there. Yeah. And so there's a lot of disconnect about that. So it's exciting to me, transitioning to what I want to talk about here, is you guys have an educational element on bears. Because I think as bear numbers and human numbers grow, that is greatly needed. Yeah, and you know, that's kind of our approach. You know, our approach is you know, to have an open discussion, open conversation, but then are also our, our biggest platform that we stand on is our educational lesson plan. Yep. And, and they show true data and, you know, we have something we call the speed scientist series. And what these lesson plans really are is, you know, it's not us saying this is the right answer. You know, we should hunt the bears. Sure. You better believe us. And it's, it's showing kids and, and we have adults that do it. Teachers, you know, other organizations that work through them. I mean, it's a lot of fun. And what it is is it, it shows the data and it shows different regions, different data. And it's really, you know, you come together and make a, a consensus of what, what you think, what mm-hmm. you believe. Mm-hmm. And this is what the data shows we should do. Um, but it really, you know, I mean, for people that are willing to, to really sit back and say, okay, maybe I'm, maybe I don't, know absolutely everything on this topic work through some of the lesson plans because they're a lot of fun and and it really will you might learn you know something that you didn't know and and i know when i first did them um you know i spent my whole life around bears i I, I still learn stuff about it well you know it's interesting Uh, i have created a wild sheep curriculum that we've been sending out since last year um on sheep conservation and doing the research for that i like learned a ton of stuff i'm like so I'm excited to see the spare stuff, and we're going to make sure uh, in all of our media properties to share that information out with people to let them know about Bear Trust International's um, curriculum and, and, and lessons to, to get more people into, especially since there's going to be a lot more distance learning and things like this with the COVID-19 crisis. So we love to share that information out to people. Yeah, well, shoot, we appreciate it. I mean, uh, you know, it's always you can never stop learning. And, you know, I mean, we really I want to make sure it's clear. I mean, we have a true love for bears and you know i mean there's people you know that rely on that bear meat you know to for 
to feed their families and, you know, people that want to be able to see bears going forward. And just because there's a different discussion or views on, on how we make that happen doesn't mean that we shouldn't come to the table and all have a discussion and a topic and, and try to move forward. You know, I mean, sometimes certain groups can be so abrasive where it's like, you know, they don't even want to have a discussion with people that are educated professionals. I'm not saying me, I'm saying wildlife biologists sure. and, you know, science majors, ecologists, habitat managers. I mean, you know, I mean, it's really important that we, we learn to, to come together here and try to do the best we can to figure this thing out. Yeah, you know, and I, and I love that approach because it's definitely needed in this world of, uh, you know, so many people taking a hardline stance of, I can understand maybe not, ch- I'm not going to change my stance on hunting in general, but I could definitely change my stance on hunting a species, obviously, if the numbers weren't there. That's that's part of the model of North America. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, we got yeah. we got we to rearrange it. But I, I don't understand not being able to sit down and talk to people and present the idea without saying, hey, I'm Mr. Conservative Hunter and you're an idiot. I can't, I don't, that's not the way, you know, you, you let them know there's a mutual, you come to the common ground of the mutual love of wildlife and then you work from there, you know, and if it works out, it doesn't, but at least you try to create some dialogue and maybe they may not agree with hunting, but maybe, maybe they'll never go hunting, but maybe they'll support Bear Trust International or another organization that has a hunting slant to it because they know the overall good work. And I've seen that happen with people. Um, and that's, and that's just a great thing because bears need help. And there's a lot of things going on globally with bears that are very concerning. And one of the things I wanted to ask you about is the gallbladder trade, the bile trade. Um, have you guys done any studies on that or have any, you know, obviously positions on that particular thing that's happening in these Asian markets? Um, yeah, I mean, right now we're, uh, we're working on a few different things. Um, to do with that i mean i shouldn't maybe comment too much on it but uh you know i mean it is an issue that we're trying to shine some light on and you know another big thing is you know we have we have issues with the sun bear we have issues with sloth bear because there's nobody that that even knows that sometimes they even exist number one and there's we're the only group that is really out there to try to support these bears and you know having a cause like us and, and bear trust international which is why you know it's so important is without us, I mean, there's there's no voice for those bears. You know, there's no there's nobody fighting for them. Well, and in those countries, it could become extinct. You know, and so that's why it's so important to support bear trust and and try to get get with the fight because we are the voice for these bears. You mentioned sun bear, sloth bear. I just published a blog today on the sloth bear. Um, in part of our, okay, yeah, because I, I I had a book called the it was a bears and other carnivores part of the wide world of wildlife series animal series I had when I was a kid from Time Life Books, okay. and it had all the great bear pictures. But the sloth bear in this book, I would laugh my head off at when I was six years old, because it looked like somebody took to some kind of a salon and gave it the worst poodle haircut of all time. <laughs> And, and so yeah, my blog is called Don't Laugh at a Sloth Bear because they attack more people than any other bear, you know, in their area. <laughs> and it's about that. It's yeah, trying to raise aware, awareness. awareness to, like, sloth bears and stuff like that. Another one that people never think of is if you go south, you know, about a couple of thousand miles here, we got Andean spectacle bears in the Andes, you know. Um, mm-hmm. You know, stuff like that. And I'm thinking about the bile trade and, like, there's a big problem right now with jaguar claws, 
being used in traditional medicines in Asia because they're running out of tigers. And, you know, I kept thinking, man, if the cartels get involved in that, man, that's a done deal. There's nothing you can do about it. So, you know, Mm -hmm. if it gets that big of a trade, look at the the bears of the Andes. So it's great to have a voice about this. And also just even a platform like this and this podcast to let people know, hey, I came on to learn about uh, grizzlies, but there's a sloth bear. I got to check that out. Maybe people go do that. There you go. Yeah, go check them out. Go do a little research on our website, beartrust.org. You know, learn about all eight species of wild bears. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's good information there. And you really uh, can learn that there's bears all across our planet. But uh, one other thing that I just kind of like to, to briefly comment on sure. um, that we're really passionate about and I think is is really a, a great project that we're going to work on is is the polar bears, you know, um, mm-hmm. the kind of decrease in polar bear hunting is, has had a huge effect on the first Nations in Northern Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, these are people that I know that I've, I've grown up with and, you know, they relied so heavily on these American hunters that would come or Europeans or some Canadians that would come. And, you know, I mean, that money would support their entire community. And a lot of that has been shut down. And, you know, there's there's also huge import and export laws that, yeah. that don't allow polar bears to be imported into the United States. And, you know, I would just really like to say on the record that, you know, I, I think we're going to work on a project where it might cost a certain amount of money, you know, like, say, $5,000 to import your polar bear mm-hmm. that, and you have to understand, has already been harvested. You know, I mean, these polar bears are mounted and they're sitting in, you know somebody's garage yeah. a friend of theirs in canada and they can't get them back to you know dallas texas or you know bakersfield california or, and you know what i would say is is i'm real passionate about putting together a project that it's a certain amount of money to import these polar bears that are already mounted they're everybody understands they're already been harvested and put that money toward you know some kids camps for conservation or giving it back to the first nation groups in That's these awesome. communities so that they can help work on habitat management and uh, you know some restoration and, and really really work with that money to help to help their youth grow up and and I think that's a that's a real viable project and we're really excited to try to get that off the ground here uh, in 2020. Well, that's awesome. I uh, one of my podcasted a couple of months ago. My friend Scott Smith, Canadian Wilderness Outfitters out of Alberta, he got to go take a polar bear, but he's in Canada. Uh, and yep. so he has it mounted. He said it nearly broke him to get it mounted, but he got it mounted. And uh, we talked about that. So polar bears would probably be now uh, uh, under the Marine Mammal Protection Act. Is that how they get away with that? Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. I so. so, you know, that's that's a, that's a great idea because, you know, if the numbers are all right for Canada to allow harvest, I don't understand not allowing them to be imported in, into the U.S. And I like the idea of taking that, giving it back to First Nations people or those camps and things like that, because it's, you know, there's a lot of misinformation and things about all these animals and the idea that we can do something positive for all this is a great way to move forward. And it's also a great way. Me and my wife are joining Bear Trust International. Um, we made the decision to do that. I appreciate it. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. And we would definitely advise anyone listening out there, if you have a heart for bears to make sure and, and check this organization out because we looked for a while for a great voice for bears to get involved in that believed in our, and I reached out to my friend Gray Thornton with the uh, Wild Sheep Foundation. 
And he said, yeah, man, they're very much in the North American model. They're, they're, I give them my green light, so I, I checked them out. Great organization. Check them out at beartrust.org. I mean, um, bears are incredible animals. They're beautiful animals. They're diverse animals. I mean, I'm working on a special publication right now about the wildlife of Israel, you know, and King David killed a bear, and that was a Syrian black bear, you know. Right. Uh, and you, know, you think about all these different bears around the world. I mean, the panda. It's funny how many people, it's so hilarious, uh, that I've talked to that don't think the panda's a bear. <laughs> it's like yeah. panda bear might be a hint. But there's another one. I mean, I've read stuff recently where there's some issues with horses causing problems and things with with, with pandas in certain areas, with diseases and stuff like that. And uh, so we, we adopted our daughter from China in uh, 2008. And, oh, very uh, cool. And uh, I call, since then, I've called her my little panda because we're on a plane coming back. Oh, and there's, yeah. a, there's an old Chinese lady, and uh, she, she looks at her and starts has a tear running down her eye. And she, she can't speak English very well, but she points at her and says, lucky panda. In other words, that she had a mom and dad now, you know. So yeah, that's, that's, our little, really that's our little panda. And we got to see pandas over there, there while go. we were there, which was mind-boggling to me. And um, so we took my daughter uh, four years ago to Zoo Atlanta, and she got to the, the panda encounter where you get to feed him a treat and all that. And uh, if you don't think those are a proper bear, you sit and watch a panda crunch into like a four-inch wide piece of bamboo, okay? <laughs> they are a proper bear. Yeah, I think they sleep like 20 hours a day. They got my gig. I need the gig. Hang out in the bamboo forest and eat. But uh, be secluded from people, you know, all that. But Bear Trust International is also raising awareness to, you know, everything, all the bear species of the world. And uh, we can't thank you enough for taking some time out. Maybe we could love to have you as a regular guest when something new from Bear Trust International. We offer the airwaves to you. Sure, I would love that. Yeah, like I say, I mean, uh, we're doing great things. We're starting an endowment. Um, you know, I appreciate Grace Thornton kind of sending you our way uh gray's our vice chairman uh we thank the world of him mm-hmm. and the wild chief foundation yep. uh, is an organization that that i've been part of my entire life and and all of our board directors and and committee members are a part of wsf and a lot of part of boone and crockett club as well and uh so we work closely with both of those groups and and like i say, yeah i mean please we would we would love to have you and you can join as a life membership on our website, uh, beartrust.org. And, uh, you know, we allocate money uh, for education, for projects, however you'd like to allocate it. You can you can comment in there. Uh, and then, like I say, we're also starting an endowment fund. So, uh, yeah, just really appreciate you having us on. And, and really, anything we can ever do to, to help, we are, we're 100% here and alive and, uh, and ready to go. Uh, we appreciate the Summer of the Bear at All Higher Calling Wildlife Media Properties. And we appreciate Logan Young, Executive Director of Bear Trust International. Check him out at beartrust.org. Hey, folks, before we go, let me tell you about my good friends at the Houston Safari Club Foundation. This is an organization that supports hunting and conservation. They've taken hundreds of kids hunting and fishing, given out over $2 million in scholarships, and they provided over $4 million in grants to protect wildlife and habitat at home and abroad. They host great monthly events and an annual convention where you can meet other hunters and learn about all types of hunting. Don't let the name mislead you. They're not just about safaris, but definitely about all kinds of hunting. Education, conservation, protecting the future of hunting. 
That's the Houston Safari Club Foundation. Join today. Call 713-623-8844 or go to wehuntwegive.org to learn more. Higher Calling is brought to you by Texas Fishing Game Magazine, our official sponsor. You can check the online edition out at fishgame.com and also subscribe to their e-newsletter. And if you'd like to meet a personally subscribe you to that newsletter because I actually can do that. You can email me at chester at chestermore.com. Fishgame.com is not only wildlife and fisheries in Texas, but we cover things going on nationwide. You definitely subscribe to the newsletter. Three updates a week, killer, killer stuff put together by yours truly. Once again, Higher Calling is sponsored by Texas Fishing Game Magazine at fishgame.com. You've been listening to The Higher Calling, hosted by the wildlife journalist Chester Moore. Contact him at chester at chestermore.com. Follow him at thechestermore on Instagram and his blog at highercalling.net.